meditation, 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 depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice calm. Can't think of anything. This is meditation in the city. The Shambhala New York podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Meeting Obstacles on the Path, Burnishing Our Metal. Obstacles in our life or practice often lead to fear, feeling overwhelmed, and a sense of helplessness. Is it possible to meet these challenges with gentleness and curiosity? Along with the tools of patience and antidotes, we may find a space of sparkling wisdom and strength. Today we are joined by Elizabeth Reed. Elizabeth has been with the New York Shambhala community since the mid-80s. With a background in theater, dance, and photography, she was inspired by the Dharma art teachings of Shambhala, and for several years led contemplative photography workshops at the center. Realizing the importance of embodiment on the path, she became an Alexander Technique teacher and offers AT-based exercises in most of her teaching. Here's Elizabeth to take away the discussion. Well, I'm just welcoming you here to burnish our metal. And um, what I expect from most people here is that you have some interest in your mind that um, most people that do come to meditate, there is some interest to really explore their own mind. And hopefully they're also curious. So the meditation um, that we're doing this evening is called calm abiding and we have the opportunity to create a space that allows ourselves to just be to just be whoever we are whatever we are and it's a little bit interesting that the term calm abiding doesn't mean that we are just spacing out and blissfully you know landing somewhere but it means that we are able to abide with our own energies, whatever they are, however they're falling to us. We can be able to abide by our own energies. And what is needed here is immense, immense gentleness, immense gentleness. During this time, we have to take care of ourselves and know how to access the gentleness that is basically inherent you know in our in our whole world um especially the shambhala and um what is needed is that and just openness to our own humanity such as it is we may experience the feeling that it is derived from being in the present, in the present, willing to be with the moment by moment experience 
of what unfolds in our life. Our minds are powerful. And the nature of our minds is forever strong, clear, and stable. So it's possible that we could learn to let go and let our own true nature arise. This is our basic goodness. And uh, one, one way it's spoken about is that it is gentle, fearless, and intelligent. We work with the balance of these three um, qualities constantly. And they are always available in the present. So what we're doing here is we're trying to allow them to surface. We have to create the space to allow that natural intelligence, gentleness, and fearlessness to come forward. It is completely always there for us. It's part of the ground. And also, um, just speaking something about gentleness, we can't, I can't tell you how much you need to do this for yourself. Um, but gentle to, gentleness comes first. And fearlessness or bravery is the ability to stay with the gentleness. That is the bravery, the ability to stay with the gentleness. And then the intelligence is actually wisdom. You know, not book learning wisdom, but completely pure wisdom that integrates both the gentleness and the fearlessness. So it's a trifecta here. And, um, and the good in goodness is, means that it's, it's already complete. It's already complete. And anything that manifests into now is fundamentally good. Anything that manifests now is fundamentally good. And we can relax and learn how to work with situations, knowing that, not to struggle. So we don't need to fix things. We can maybe in a moment, just sit and work with our mind, breath and body. So I'll start with um, leading us in a guided uh, meditation. And um, first thing is if you can find a good seat, a good seat where you're supporting your own torso, and it could be a chair or a cushion, but ideally your, your knees are lower than your hips. You have that. Um, is, is very healthy. Find that seat. And one way that I find it, and you might, is to actually put my hands under my sits bones. Maybe you've done this before, but, um, and you can kind of feel when you go forward, they go back, when you go back, they go forward. So we're wanting to land right in the middle of that back and forthness, just 
and there's that would create a small curve in the in your back, your lower back. But that that's a nice way to start if that works for you. And really, at this point, feel the earth. If you have your feet on the ground here, feel your feet on the ground. This is our connection to earth. And to really feel and feel again. Just dropping into that earth. Feeling ourselves seated. And just as there was a strong connection to earth, there is an equal and um, strong upflow along our spine. You could imagine strong upflow along your spine, going all the way to the top of the spine, which actually it's somewhere between your, your ears and behind your eyes. So most of us don't realize that that is how long the spine is. And the spine, it's kind of a, a gentle exploration on subtle things, finding a nice um, connection to your body and ungripping the back of the neck, allowing the jaw to be easy, maybe even letting it hang a little bit. Allow our face to be soft. We're just sitting and breathing, nothing special. So we can drop our hands down to our sides and starting with the fingertips, let the fingertips lead us up to the top of our thighs and just turn over our hands there. So we also feel that connection to our thighs, down to the floor, down to our feet. And here we usually have our eyes around four to feet level in front of us. Four to feet level in front of us and just let the eyeballs relax if you can. This is very healthy for the eyes. Just let the eyes relax. We have our um, space all around us that we can be aware of but we're just using, we're using um, the mind, the body, especially the eyes, 
Just let them be. So as we're sitting, we can start to notice the breath going in and out of our body. The breath comes in, nourishes all the cells of our body and goes out. And you could notice our breathing and allow it to feel the front of our body. Not to um, exaggerate that, but the front of the body is very open. In this posture, the front of the body torso is open and soft. And the back of the body is strong. And fearless. So here we have in this very posture the gentleness and the fearlessness of what is our birthright. Soft, open front, firm back. Open to the world, but not a pushover. And now you might begin to notice some thoughts arising. And that's a completely natural situation that will always occur. Thoughts come. And the way we um, navigate is we just notice. Notice and come back to the breath. Just notice there's no judgment. There is nothing we have to um, do or not do, but we do want to go back to the breathing, which brings us back to the moment of now. So we're just noticing thoughts and letting them go. And any time we do return to the moment, we are burnishing our metal. 
we're becoming stronger every time we come back to the moment, to our body, our breath. Back to the body, back to the breath. We have the open eye technique because we want to be fully in our own environment. We want to learn to be fully in, our, in whatever situation we're in, in our own environment. Not blocking anything out. Just gently letting it be. actually start to ride the wave of the breath going out, riding out with the breath that dissolves. So we could catch that wave and ride out with it and let go completely, even for an instant. Out and let go. In that space of letting go, it's very powerful. One moment. Okay, so we can um, begin to come back. And maybe at this point, just kind of drop Drop the technique and just, just feel what you feel for a bit. No technique. Just feel what you feel. And this is also very important on the path and that you never um, push away any experience that you're having or anything you think you should be doing, but you can be a genuine person and be exactly how you are, who you are in this moment. That's it. To be genuine. And then go forward with that over and over again. 
There's a lot of repetition in meditation practice over and over for eons. So now um, to begin the, the talk that is about um, obstacles and antidotes, obstacles and antidotes, uh, which are a natural part of the path. And through the ages of meditators and meditation, they have seen the need to work with obstacles and um, have developed a classic uh, situation of finding obstacles and antidotes to be very helpful, even for fully um, trained people. It's, it still comes up for all of us, no matter what stage we're in. And I'll talk about some of these obstacles that are most prevalent. And you could just use them as something that you might notice in yourself or something that might be helpful for you. But um, that's what we're gonna explore for a bit. So um, in these times of speed and um, well, also everything else that we're going through now, it's, it's um, I think it's hard for us to manage. And sometimes we're, not sometimes, many, many times, we're way too hard on ourselves. We're way too hard on ourselves. I think that's our culture too. And um, our practice is also a way to to be kind to ourselves. That's one thing not to um, forget. Remember to be kind. We're too hard. So the first classical obstacle is laziness. <laughs> and there are three, three um, parts of laziness. The first one is, you all know it, it's ordinary, just ordinary laziness. Um, and it's, you know, you can't even get to the cushion. You just um, kind of lollygag around even when you are practicing. And uh, it's, uh, it's, bad. It's, it's laziness. And then um, this is another type of laziness, but that is speedy mind. And the speed is, Basically, we're avoiding ourselves. We may be accomplishing a lot, but um, it, there's procrastination that happens and we avoid ourselves. We avoid ourselves. So it's kind of a way to, um, to not to be open. We're just not open. We don't want to look at ourselves. Next one is disheartened. And um, that's when 
we feel that um, I can't do this. It's really not for me. I shouldn't be here. Um, it's a constant flow of discursive thought, constant flow about how we can't do it. I'm just not made for it. And so, um, so then what is missed are those moments of freshness. When that happens, the moments of freshness are missed. So if we jump on everything that arises, it becomes more of a fixed mind. And there's no time to feel our body and subtleness of our practice. So there's an antidote to laziness. And the first one is suppleness. I love that word, suppleness. And it means that we could begin to be more pliable in our daily life. Like rather than how is this going to affect me? You know, how is this going to give me what I want? So um, that's not uh, a healthy thing to do. <laughs> and, um, but there is trust. And we may begin to feel more at ease and be with the situation that we are in as we practice. So we could see that, begin to see that things are not permanent. Situations are not permanent. And begin to get glimpses, even glimpses of joy. So instead of losing our, um, we're losing our curiosity when we could begin to let go and meet and feel our openness. So the next antidote, the next um, part of laziness still is not too tight and not too loose. And again, these are classical situations. And so with our mind too loose, it tends to be dull and adrift. And when it is too tight, it seems that we are too tight and jump at perfection and we're not grounded. So those are the downside of that. But awareness comes and this is the possibility to meet whatever comes our way. We could come back to the body, feel our head and shoulders. And only we can know how much we are tight or loose. It's, that's our own exploration. Only we know how to do it. 
and we could begin to tune ourselves into what makes good music. We can work on tuning, you know, where we need to be. We know ourselves better than anybody and need to know when, okay, I really was a little tight with that. I can feel me going over that edge that I go over. So you could make good music. I have a brother who's an amazing person and self-taught musician and self-taught. Um, he was in, um, anyway, he's an amazing person. And the thing about him was that he, and to this very day, he keeps himself, he said, I always want to go further. I always want to go further. And um, he's able to do that and become more and more in whatever he's doing. He's just becoming a wonderful um, musician and a wonderful athlete. And that is because of his discipline, you know, which he loves. And I've, I'm, I'm uh, really proud of him and also a little bit um, sorry that I am not doing quite that. So um, another aspect of what we're doing here is having an aspiration. It's something that we could do to have an aspiration which is quite powerful. So with trust, with a little bit of trust that we've experienced, we could have more determination and the desire to bring our own wakefulness forward, to aspire to be genuine and present. And that is, um, that is really a wonderful thing to try. Just that you could every day aspire to something. And, you know, maybe it'll take you where my brother is now. <laughs> but um, just, uh, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. And another part is effort and effort is engaging in mind. And it's possible to have a view of peaceful abiding. So we can work against the tide of you know, falling into doubt. Work against the tide of falling into doubt and refresh, it could refresh. The next, um, Part is forgetfulness. This is interesting because it is easy to forget. I think many habits um, are, are around that forgetfulness. So one thing was you could um, jump on every thought, you know, when we decided, oh, oh, I, okay, I, I've I, I forgot about that. So you jump on it, you jump on it. Or um, when it's more heavy, 
it's kind of a slow losing track of what we are doing. That's and it's something I've experienced for a while. And I slowly, and I think, oh, I haven't been practicing at all. So, um, and it, what's so interesting is that it's such a simple thing that you, we've been given to do, such a simple thing, and yet we can forget about it. So, um, we can practice and uh, explore with any of this that you have found helpful. And um, I'd just like to, if, if anyone would like to speak about um, any of this talk or any experience at all that you're, you're going through, um, I would love to hear you and just see how things are going here and you know, wherever. I'm curious about um, huh, what practices or approaches you recommend, if any, when your metal is being tested by kind of a stressful situation in the moment. Um, I mean, we all have stressful moments. Um, yes. I've had in, in recent years when the pandemic shut my office and I didn't know if, if I still would have a job I do. You know, I, I've had panicked moments when loved ones fell ill in, in recent months, but um, I'm having these moments uh, every like half hour or so where I just feel um, very clenched and uptight and sort of spiritually stuck. My my job is to be uh, the news editor of a major network where I'm in charge of finalizing all the articles that are published on deadline coming out of the New York Bureau. And so the image is the war in Ukraine, the doubling and tripling of my workload, ah. the stress and anxiety about what's happening over there and the safety of some of our reporters and everything. It's just very, it's testing my mettle a lot. And I'm finding it difficult in these circumstances to just unplug and chill out and, and kind of um, gather myself back into me and draw on my spiritual resources. So I'm wondering if there are any in the moment practices you recommend. I sometimes catch myself and I manage to take seven deep breaths and that seems to shift things dramatically. But I'm wondering uh, if you can speak to that or other approaches that might help when your metal is being tested by, you know, kind of a, a very stressful moment and how to navigate that moment. Yes. Well, um, one way that I do it is I basically go to my body. Hmm. I try to drop into my body. And even um, if it's a very short time, but uh, because basically that's, you know, our body is us and everything else is swirling around us. So for me, the way I got through this pandemic was anytime I had the time to do it, and even a small amount of time, I would just 
drop into my body. I would drop into the floor if I was home and, and just let myself be there, even for like 10 minutes, touch the earth, drop everything out of my mind. And it, it was very yeah. helpful for me to use my body that way. Yeah, that's, and, very, that's very helpful. Yeah, I hope so. And I think that um, also knowing, you know, being really clear about what you are doing to yourself, you know, when you keep something going, just, just to notice that, okay, I'm going this way now. Our minds are very powerful, but we need to turn them in the right direction. Okay, we're going this way now, mm. you know, not yeah. that way. I think we have the ability to do that. But I find that when I, when, I, uh, when I don't exercise that ability, when I get stuck on the gerbil wheel, as it, as it were, um, the problem just escalates. But it's almost like if I stop and go into my body and do, do that seven breath technique, or as you suggest, just ground, maybe seated, feel my sit bones on the floor, whatever, I'm able to sort of check it. It's just hard to get to the point where I check it before it spirals out. Of, you know, it check it before you what? Uh, before it spirals into a cyclone. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. <sighs> it is. I think we are being so stressed. And so um, it's amazing that I came here to prep to teach tonight <laughs> because mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean. I've got a lot going on and uh, along with everything else. I mean, I think so many people and, but you, my goodness, that's a huge thing. You're well, I'm not in it though. I mean, I'm not in it. I'm not by any means as stressed out as any of the people we're reporting on and never mind what's happening in Syria and Yemen, yeah. <laughs> the protests in Pakistan and Sri Lanka, you know, the meltdown of the Lebanese economy. Uh, I got it pretty good, but I'm finding myself freaking out and just needing a little help. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you, you seem like a, a real warrior. <laughs> well, doing what I can. Yeah. But you know, we're better at it when we take time to nurture that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to actually give yourself the space, I mean, literally, the space of meditation of sitting down, find, I do that every morning and then I'll walk over to the um, Hudson River Park every morning. Oh, beautiful, so yeah. It's, it's, and it saves me, you know, I can be completely out of my mind and then I walk over, there's the water, there's the sky there, you know, and I always, nature always usually wakes me up and, takes me along so that's really helped me mm. me too i'm i'm not on camera in part because i was having trouble with this borrowed machine but in part because right before class i went outside and did a lot of community gardening and um oh. deviled mess <laughs> we, we do some planting here on the block but there's a park near me and it's really lovely to to walk there which i do almost every morning and it was great to uh you know, do some work on the tree beds, which neighbors and I try to spruce up every springtime. Oh, yeah, very helpful. Wonderful. Yeah, great. But it is what it is. It is what it is. That's <laughs> yeah. one thing I'm learning. I mean, that is why 
testing our mettle. We are, this is actually a gift to us. I think we're all having to really come forward and, mm -hmm. um, and be there, you know, mm -hmm. in some way. I think I'm stronger, I'm stronger. Mm -hmm. But also I really, uh, everyday meditation I think is what ultimately helps me. And um, to keep that thread, it's kind of important to keep that thread going. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like we have to remind ourselves every single day. Okay, now I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to do this. <laughs> but I think we do need to remind ourselves, and um, and that's a nice way to do it. And I actually like the experience, and I like the body part of it. Um, mm. Just dropping into my body and really it's something I didn't cover in this talk, but it's. Um, Body is so important, body and mind uh, together. Because uh, there's so much mind going on, so much mind, and not enough, not enough space, mm. not enough space for us. Too much energy, not enough space. That's something that we bandied about at this time. Yeah, I feel like it's a constriction sometimes when um, I get in that mode I'm describing, like I'm just this tight little whirlwind, you know? That feeling of lacking space is, um, yeah, very, uh, very claustrophobic. But I find that when I meditate or tend to my practice, I, I, I expand, not like I'm some, you know, all-encompassing spirit who... <laughs> who spreads across the whole universe, but you know, I just, oh, I think you might be, <laughs> yeah, I might get an inch taller, but <laughs> it's just, it's just nice to come out of that constriction. And I've long loved the um, Shambhala tradition. And I, I attended for years, the gatherings you did on 22nd street. I, I need to uh, take more time and give more attention to my spiritual practice. So I'm better able to do this without losing my lid as it were <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yes good for you thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast we invite you to leave us a rating and review subscribe and share this episode with your friends Shambhala NYC also offers a variety of meditation courses for meditators of all levels Check out our upcoming programs at shambhalanyc.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.